Moving into a new home is always stressful. There are so much logistics to get through that historically, I just can't compute. That's why I let my girlfriend Angie handle most of the moving logistics and I just do what she says. I move shit around. That's what I'm good for. We had been looking for a while for a new place, but we couldn't seem to find anything online for months. We even drove around town daily and tried to do in-person same-day tours of apartments and townhouses. Nothing panned out. We were losing hope. Until we met a realtor who looked like she was fresh out of college. Her name was Harriet and we met at a bar one night. We struck up a little friendship as we drank and she said she'd look for some spots for us pro bono. We didn't have that many specifications. Just two bedroom, two bath, a laundry in unit. Oh, and Angie was adamant that she wanted a turnkey apartment. If you don't know what that is, it's essentially a move-in ready home equipped with furniture from the previous tenants. I understood her angle with it. All of our furniture and appliances were old hand-me-downs from both of our parents. We had a ratty couch, a twin-sized bed with horrible lumps, a barely working TV, a termite-imbued bookcase. Yeah, our stuff was less than up to snuff. Also, we figured we would be fairly broke after paying rent for the first month and also the security deposit on top of that. Yes, getting a place that was pre-furnished was financially optimal. But still, the thoughts wouldn't leave my head that we'd be sleeping on a stranger's bed, sitting on a stranger's couch, and using a stranger's dining table. How much history had all these items seen? It was sort of icky to me, even creepy. But Angie was running the show. She was the general, and I was just the private following orders. After a fairly lengthy search, Harriet finally found us a townhouse on the edge of town, in an extremely quiet and scantily populated neighborhood called White Oak. I knew of the area. It was a proverbial ghost town. Most of the homes were abandoned, and the few people still living there were recluses or squatters in condemned buildings. I was iffy about it. Me and my friends used to tell stories of White Oak, that the place was inhabited by witches and ghouls of all kinds. But the harder truth was that it was just a neighborhood that had been left behind. We wanted to check the place out, but Harriet kept making excuses and canceling on us whenever we asked. It got infuriating, but we couldn't wait any longer. Our current lease was up, so we signed the new lease, got the keys from Harriet, and moved inside unseen, having only seen the home through pictures. The furniture was nice, really nice, high-end, a beautiful L-shaped couch, a large flat-screen TV already mounted on the wall, a circular table from West Elm, a grand bookcase, and amazing paintings that lined the walls. It was a steal for the price. On the day we got the keys, Harriet stood in the middle of the street by her car, looking quite uncomfortable. We walked up to her excitedly, but she just took the keys out, dropped them in my hand, walked to her car, and drove off without saying a word. It was off-putting for sure. 
she had been so friendly and lively before. I chalked it up to she was just having a bad day and wanted to rush home. We instantly began setting up our own things in the home, like our clothes, cutlery, and other kitchen and bathroom wear. We plopped down onto our new couch and took it all in. I asked Angie if she knew what happened to the previous tenants and where they moved to. Harriet said she didn't know them. The house had been moved out of when her company caught wind of it, Angie said. I got up and began inspecting the place more. My eyes were drawn to the paintings on the walls. Many of them were of people. On a second look, it was kind of odd. I asked Angie if we could swap out the artwork and put up some landscape paintings instead of these random paintings of people. She said yes, but it would have to wait a few weeks, once we got a few paychecks in. I really missed our old stuff, shitty as some of them were. But we had to sell all of our old furniture to help pay off some debt, and we couldn't afford new things right away. We did keep one thing though, my favorite armchair that I'd had since my early 20s. I set it up neatly in the corner of the room, perfectly poised for TV viewing. We got into bed that night, and as I got situated under the covers, a big smile stretched across my face. The mattress was the softest I had ever laid on. I drifted off to sleep, and it was the best sleep of my life. Well, until about a couple hours into the night. I slowly woke up to a sound that made no sense to me at first. But as my hearing faded in, the sound was unmistakable. It was the sounds of people moaning and wailing in pain. I got up and I thought at first the sounds were coming from outside, but I realized the moans were coming from my living room. I grabbed my baseball bat from under the bed and slowly went out to my living room. As soon as I entered, the groan stopped pretty much immediately. Hello? Is someone in here? I switched the lights on and looked around fearfully, but no one was in the room. I inspected the door and windows and didn't see any signs of a break-in. I heard Angie stirring. She asked me if everything was okay, and I told her I thought I heard something, but it was nothing. It must have just been my tired mind playing tricks. I walked back to the bedroom and slid back into bed. The next morning, I woke up feeling unnaturally tired, despite getting a ton of sleep. I had taken a few days off myself to set up more around the home. I did realize that the place was a bit dirty. The previous tenants hadn't cleaned at all. I got a rag and some cleaning solution and began wiping down countertops and sweeping the floor. At one point, I got on my knees and began wiping at the floor, and I realized something strange on the underside of the dining table. I got on my back and slid under the table and was shocked at what I saw. It was a human face with an expression of agony on it, molded into the wood, embedded. I looked at it for a moment, thoroughly creeped out. Was this part of the design, I thought? I took a picture of it with my phone and slid out from under the table and stood up. I sent the picture to Angie and she replied with a, what the fuck is that? Our text conversation about it was shorter than you'd expect. We chalked it up to just some weird design that the previous tenants did to the table. That night I asked Angie again if we could just remove the paintings off the wall, but she said she wanted to keep them up to fill out the walls. 
She hated the idea of having just blank white walls. Somehow, and I knew it didn't make sense, it looked like some of the people's expressions in the paintings had changed. I noticed a slight grimace on a few of their faces now. I thought to myself, did they always look like that? I woke up again later that night to the sounds of moaning yet again. Anguish. Pain. It's like what you'd think hell would sound like. A horrible menagerie of human beings just crying out in sorrow. I figured someone had to have been playing a prank on us. And to be honest, I was becoming more and more unsure about living where we were at. I sluggishly walked out to the living room and once again, as soon as I stepped out, the moaning stopped. Hello! Is anyone here? Angie instantly shot out of bed and yelled at me, What are you doing? I'm sleeping. I pretty much ignored her, not because I was trying to be rude, but I was just so mystified at what was happening. Angie let out one of her trademark annoyed sighs and said, I have to get up early. Come on. I walked back to the bedroom and shut off the light. But then I suddenly heard sobbing, gentle sobbing. It sounded like a child. No, it sounded like children. I turned around and instead of flipping on the light, I used my smartphone flashlight and tried to follow the hushed cries. I followed the cries to the couch and then the cries stopped. I must be in a fugue state, I thought to myself. I'm just half awake and imagining things. After another epic yell from Angie, I got back to bed. The next day, I laid in bed next to Angie as she continued to sleep. I think she caught something. She was coughing all night and decided to stay home from work. Not wanting to catch whatever she had, I spent the day lounging on the couch and watching old movies, one of my favorite pastimes. I eventually got distracted by my phone and had the sudden urge to look at the videos we took on our phones when we first moved in and noticed something that I won't lie made my heart sink in my stomach a bit. In the video, I could clearly see that the paintings on our walls, the people depicted in them, had stoic expressions on their faces, not grimaces. Their faces were blank, not smiling, not frowning, not showing emotion. I got to my feet and looked at the paintings again. They looked like they were screaming in agony. Was this some kind of optical illusion, I wondered? If so, it's a really fucking good one. Maybe they were Halloween or movie props, made to change expression over time by some means. I had to rationalize it at the time because I could have never guessed the mystery behind them. I peeped my head into the bedroom and told Angie, Babe, I'm taking the paintings down, okay? Let's get our own. These creep me out. She was so washed out she couldn't even respond, so I just took that window to take them all down and put them into our closet. Later that day, I checked Angie's temperature and could feel she was burning up. I investigated her face and my eyes landed on the mole above the corner of her mouth. I don't know why I focused on her mole that day. We had been together for so long, I had half forgotten it was there. She started sneezing incessantly, and that's when I realized that as much as I had cleaned up quite a bit, I hadn't shifted any of the furniture to clean up the nooks and crannies. I had an inkling in my mind that she was sick from all the dust left in here by the filthy previous tenants. I pulled the couch out from against the wall and saw 
that the underside of the couch was actually quite clean. But then something else sent a shock through my system. In the back of the couch were faces, small faces as if from children, sticking out of the fabric of the couch as if they were trapped inside. The faces, like the paintings and like the face on the desk, were pained in anguish. I was breathing hard. That's when I noticed something else. There was a zipper on the back of the couch. The covering on it was removable. I pounced for the zipper and undid it. I practically threw the couch cover off to uncover a horror that my mind took a few moments to process. The couch was made of skin. I knew it was real skin. The texture, the smell, the look, it was fucking skin. And the faces on the back of the couch looked all too real now. The skin covering was all stitched together like patchwork, like Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. You'd think it was fake at first glance, just some weird custom-made couch, but no. I knew this was real. My uncle was a mortician. I worked with him at his morgue in my teen years. I knew real skin. I felt like throwing up. In fact, I did. I didn't want to wake or alarm Angie, so I decided to call the realtor. I didn't want to wake or alarm Angie, so I decided to call the realtor, Harriet. She didn't pick up at first. So I called and called and called until she finally picked up the phone. After some quick niceties, she blurted out, How are you liking your new place? Her voice was quivered. I replied, Um, not so good, Harriet. Uh, the couch, the couch in the living room, it's really odd. Um, did you know what it was made of? Silence. Well, it looks like it's made of skin. It's very strange. After a while, she eventually responded with a, Oh, weird. Well, I'm sure it isn't. Actual skin, probably just... Before she finished, I cut her off. No, Harriet, this is real skin. Did you know about this? Once again, no immediate answer from her, but told me she knew something. I got pissed. And intensely, I said, Who the fuck lived here before? What were they, like a family of psychos? Silence. Harriet, what were their names? She finally replied in a very hushed tone. I had to do what I had to do. I'm sorry. The phone line went dead. Something was up. What's going on? I heard from behind me. I turned around and saw Angie nestling into my armchair, yawning. I told her to look at the couch, and she yelped in fear when I told her what it was made of. She then thought to herself for a moment and decided it was likely fake. I don't know, maybe she was right. Maybe it was just a fake. I knew there were specialized Halloween masks that they were making now that had skin that felt truly real. This furniture and decor debacle was the cause of whoever lived here before. I didn't want it in my house, and decided the prior tenants should be the ones to remove them. My plan was to find out who they were, reach out to them, and ask them to take their sick fucking furniture back so I could fill up the place with our own things. I called the real estate agency that was listed on Harriet's business card since Harriet completely vanished and stopped answering my calls. When I called the agency, I was shocked at what they said. Apparently, the family who lived here before were called the Sloans. They were a family of five, and they never officially moved out. They just disappeared one day all except the eldest sister, a girl called Harriet, who claimed the house 
absorbed her family. After the agent's explanation, I cut him off and said, Harriet? Yeah, I know Harriet Sloan. She works for your company, I said confused. The man on the other end said, No, she certainly does not. And by the way, we have never sent any realtors to that location. No agencies have, to my knowledge. That house has a bad reputation. Silence. I was floored. He continued, Sir, are you interested in renting or buying that house? If you are, I should let you know that the Sloans aren't the only family that has mysteriously disappeared after living at that location. Many more families have over the years. It's perplexing. Investigators have never been able to figure it out, but it seems that a lot of families end up finding that place through independent realtors, and then they vanish. The conversation ended and I just hung up the phone. Who was Harriet Sloan? I did a quick Facebook search and found her fairly quickly in tagged photos. The account that the photos was under was a person named Marion Sloan. She was posing in the photo with a man I assumed was her husband named Tom Sloan, her two teenage children, and one girl who looked like she was in her early 20s. And then upon looking more deeply, I realized it was indeed Harriet, the realtor. And the photo was taken inside our home. She had lived here. She had lived here with her family. That wasn't all I realized. I looked into the faces of Marion and Tom Sloan, and something clicked. I ran to the closet and took out two of the portraits I had stored in there. I leaned them against the wall, and my heart sank to the bottom of my stomach. The paintings were of Marianne and Tom Sloan, both with completely anguished expressions on their faces. Angie, we need to leave, now! I turned around, and my mind couldn't process what was happening. I couldn't even react. I just stared in horror as Angie literally began disappearing into my armchair, literally phasing into it slowly. She looked comatose and didn't fight it. I snapped out of my spell and rushed over to her, but as soon as my hand was nearing her body, she was pulled forcefully into the chair. Then, a pained face emerged on the back of the cushion. I could tell it was Angie's face because of her distinctive mole. The home head assimilated her. In an instant, the sounds of groaning and pain moans permeated the room. It wasn't only that. The faces on the couch were now moving. The painted people on the portraits were moving. Faces in the wood on the dining table, the living room, chairs, even the walls. Faces emerged everywhere and were moving with arms outstretching towards me. They all were now yelling for help in agonized screams that whipped up into a cacophony. The wallpaper on the walls peeled by themselves to reveal the interior of the walls were also made of patchwork skin. The sheets on the mattress in the bedroom flew off on their own, revealed the mattress too was made of skin, covered in vases. I ran to the front door, and another plethora of faces emerged on the wood of the door, screaming for my help. I was so terrified. So utterly frightened, I just covered my ears and sank to the floor crying, begging for it all to stop. And then it did. I looked around. All the wailing had stopped. The faces were all gone. The portraits looked normal again. The faces of the people portrayed went back to being stoic. And then, the door swung open. It was Harriet, standing in the doorway. She slowly entered the house and said, it looks like it's satiated. Come with me. We need to induct you. I filled up with rage. 
I filled up with rage. I tried to attack Harriet, but it felt like my legs were suddenly sinking into the floor. In fact, they were. I was phasing into the floor. The house was trying to assimilate me. Harriet stared at me and said, Are you going to comply? The house is full, but it will eat again if necessary. I kept sinking and sinking and sinking and yelled, Fine! Yes! I'll comply! Harriet suddenly sounded scared. Her hands started trembling and through her quivering voice said, I didn't want to do this either. But we're bound to this place. And if we don't bring it food, we'll somehow find our way back inside here. And it will eat us. So trust me. Come on. I began to rise up from the floor. It took me a second to calm down. But I realized quickly I had no choice. I nodded at Harriet and we both left the house. That night I was introduced to the rest of the survivors of the house. Each one was from a different family. Each one lured another and their family to the house. And now it was my turn. Weeks later, I was leaning on my car in the cul-de-sac of the neighborhood, waiting for arrivals, waiting to give them keys to their new home. A home I convinced them was a bargain, a steal, fully furnished and at a low rental cost in a quiet neighborhood. I watched as a car pulled up next to me and a mother came out of the driver's seat. Her three young children spilled out of the back seat, filled with energy, excited at their new home. The mom looked at me and said, I've never got a place sight unseen. I don't know why we couldn't just have a tour. I smiled and responded, trust me, this is the home of your dreams. I know your taste. You're going to love this place. She responded, well, times are desperate. Couldn't let this slip through my fingers. Had to pull the trigger. Anyhow, it was good working with you, and thanks for finding this for us. I smiled again, and I dropped the keys to the house into her hands. I quickly got into my car. I gave the house a last look. I peered through the window and saw clear as can be my armchair with Angie's face emerging from the back cushion, and I felt a pang of extreme sadness. The mom ran up to my car window and tapped on the glass. She said, Hey, I was wondering actually, any chance you know the people who lived here before? Since it's all their stuff, I'm just curious at what kind of people were they? I wiped my tears, smiled, and said, I have no idea. Enjoy your new home. And sped off without another word. <laughs>